this is another thing I love about Twitter is that it is a market research tool. So I can tweet out a concept, see how people respond. And I can see, well, maybe if there's a lot, I go, I might expand that into a blog post, right? Or see how they don't respond, right? So that's another thing. It's very quick and easy. Unlike maybe making a video or doing something more elaborate, it's very easy to throw the idea out there and sort of gauge interest in it and see what resonates with people and go from there. This is Superfast Business with James Schramko. James Schramko. Helping you build your business super fast. James Schramko here. Welcome back to Superfast Business. This is episode 907. And today we're chatting with Josh Spector, all about Twitter. Welcome, Josh. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I, I am a longtime listener, and so I'm thrilled to be talking to you on here. Let's talk about how we got to be talking because I think that's really the essence of what I want to talk about today. You know, I've been online for a while. I've published some shows. I do my rounds with socials very lightly. Like I've committed to 15 hours a week in my current schedule for work. And I'm not a writer, so I'm not cursed with the labor of having to keep producing written content. I'd like to just record. This is my primary method of content creation, Mm -hmm. talking to someone and giving it to my team afterwards, which suits me perfectly. Yeah. But I do keep an eye on Twitter and I've been on Twitter for quite some time. I reckon I've been on there... I don't know, maybe since 2006 or seven, whatever, you know, quite a long time. I found out about it from Brad Fallon, who uh, was pretty innovative in the early days of the online. He's famous for creating Stompernet with Andy Jenkins. And when I first saw Twitter, I was like, I don't get it. Why would I want to tell someone what I'm doing right now? It just seems pointless. Yeah. And then I sort of got it. Okay, this is a way to, um, it's a sort of a real-time medium. Things fade away, but then I've seen it sort of evolve a bit. At times, it wasn't that interesting to me. Almost certainly Donald Trump and certain types of people use that platform a lot. I mean, it seems to be really strong for certain types. There's, the, there's these politicians use it, health and ministry type people, police departments, fisheries, shark alerts. There's lots of people who use it who have real-time newsworthy type stuff and you know, want to engage you in timely things. Then I've seen these sort of thread things come in like Naval or a lot of these fit pros or Twitter money types or the crypto types. There's these little sets. And then I've seen the bloggy writer types. And I'm not sure if you would classify yourself in that category, but you seem to be the type of person who's good at writing, is quite creative, very instantaneous, super personable. And you seem to be doing okay off Twitter. And it appears that you're guiding other people with that. So how we met, I think you asked people for podcast recommendations and someone responded, someone who I'm following, a client of mine responded with my podcast and then I followed you because I saw you. I can't recall, but I think, do you have a blue check next to your name? Yes, I do. Okay, I want to ask you about that separately, but I saw that and I read through a couple of other tweets that are my screening process because I don't follow everyone and then I started following you and then on another occasion, you tweeted something like, send me a headline and I'll write it better or rewrite it, something like that. Yep. And I sent you one of my podcast episodes that I'd done with Niels Vignier about his case study of going essentially from zero to $100,000. And you rewrote that in the tweet and it was really good. Thanks. And I shared it with Niels. And I think we actually updated the podcast episode with that new title. Cool. So I didn't waste it. <laughs> your effort was, was there. But anyway, I really liked that. And I, I clicked through your bio and stuff. I had a read through site. I asked you if you'd want to come on the show and talk about Twitter. So you created this opportunity from Twitter, from scratch, 
with me. Mm-hmm. So there's the proof in the pudding. This episode 907 yeah. is Josh Spector technique. I'd love it if you could just sort of, you've heard my sort of overview of, yeah. of how Twitter's been going for me, but I do feel like there's a bit of a resurgence in it. I do feel like it's a good place to get news and information. And it seems to be a good place to actually have a personal interaction mm-hmm. with people and get to know them in a more intimate way than some of the other platforms. Like I'm not going to get to know someone from YouTube comments. Yep. I feel like it's a strong, and it's not as businessy or, or I'm going to say spammy as LinkedIn. Almost every LinkedIn private message is some kind of a pitch, which is disappointing. Yeah. So I've set you up here. Can you talk about from your side of it, how do you view Twitter? What type of Twitterer are you? How did your interaction with me pan? Is this typical, what, what we're doing now from the things that you've created? And absolutely, I want to ask you, is it important to have a tick and how do you get one? And then I think I'll have a few questions after that, but I don't want to overload you. Okay. Let's just start with that. Cool. So that's plenty. So let's see where to start. So first of all, for anyone that's listening, my Twitter account is at J Spector, the letter J, my name is Josh, J Spector, S-P-E-C-T-O-R. So one of the best ways is you can go check me out and you'll see exactly how I use it and very quickly get a feel for it. I also have been on Twitter since I think 2008, maybe pretty early on. Twitter has changed a lot. It is, to your point, I think it has gotten much more valuable than it once was. It certainly is a great and probably the best real-time platform, but that's sort of just one piece of what Twitter is. Ironically, most of what I post actually is evergreen and timeless, which we'll get into this later, but I'm able to repurpose and repost stuff. I don't do a lot of real-time stuff. I'm not talking about the news. Now you can, and again, there's lots of people doing that. But I think if you think about from a business perspective, most businesses don't necessarily, real time isn't necessarily as important to whatever you're trying to do to grow your business. So I think a mistake people make is they think it's just a real time platform. Well, that's why I specifically raise it. Yeah. What I was sort of subtly alluding to is that you can use Twitter in a different way than most people. And it can be highly powerful if you do that. I think that's why people bang on so much about, including me, about YouTube. Because YouTube stuff lasts a long time. When you create on YouTube, it builds this massive iceberg of content that people continue to use. But if you put on your Facebook timeline, it's gone, you know, in a short time. And you could have said that about Twitter in the past or Instagram as well. But so you're finding the threads was a massive innovation. Yeah, the threads, the threads help. And also to me, the real Twitter's by far my favorite platform. And actually, a couple of years ago, I basically stopped. It's funny, in the beginning, you were saying you only have so much time and you're not all that active on social. I, a few years ago, felt the same way and basically stopped using every other social platform except for Twitter. And when I did, and when I focused on it, it really started to take off for me. And now I'm at about almost 20,000 followers on there. But more importantly than that, I built real relationships that I don't see happening on these other social platforms. And I think the reason for that, and this is the, to me, the core of what makes Twitter different and why I love it and why I think it's powerful for lots of businesses and entrepreneurs. Twitter is an idea platform. Instagram's not an idea platform. It may be about images and all that kind of stuff. Facebook's not really an image. Instagram's a brag platform. Yeah, exactly. It's a flex platform. (laughs) Right. Twitter is 
really about ideas. It also praises and rewards conciseness. So your ability to have smart, intelligent, interesting things to say and to communicate them. Yes, there are threads which are longer, but to be able to communicate them in uh, short, easy to consume bits. So because it's that kind of platform, and yes, that does tend to attract a lot of writers, but it's not just writers, but you know, because it's sort of a written medium, it attracts people who are smart, who are curious, who want to have conversations about business, productivity, and whatever your niche is. The kind of person that's using Twitter is very different from the kind of person who's using Instagram, right? People are scrolling Instagram, like you said, they're either posting because they want to brag, they're scrolling because they want to see pretty people or places or things or whatever. It's much more sort of entertainment driven. And I don't mean entertainment industry, but like, you know, I'm bored. Let me scroll Instagram. On Twitter, it's people who are like, I'm trying to solve problems and figure things out and share or clarify my own ideas, learn from other people. The ability, even if you never post on Twitter, the ability to learn from the people that are there, the people that have built big followings there is so different than Instagram, right? It's not just a fitness guy or a model or whatever. It's people that are building followings for the things that they're doing in their businesses or in their careers or that kind of stuff. So that is what draws me to Twitter and that audience. The other thing is the very nature of Twitter is way more engaging, right? Because of that, because it's, if you think about it, sort of this platform for ideas, it's people who want to discuss those ideas. Now, they may not always agree, But it's very different than, you know, if you go look at Instagram comments compared to Twitter replies, it's night and day, right? People are actually talking about (laughs) and debating the idea versus, you know, here's a bunch of emojis and, you know, thumbs up and whatever. So for me, and the way I approach it as a user, and I think this is the key in terms of what to post on Twitter, you want to provide specific value to specific audience. Unlike Instagram and other stuff, here's what I had for lunch today. And here's me at the beach. And here's, it's not, you know, I I say all the time, you can use social channels as a reality show or a magazine, right? The reality show is just, here's what I'm doing in my life. The magazine, I use the example of Oprah's magazine. Oprah's magazine is not about Oprah. She's on the cover, but the rest is her talking about things in her universe and sort of sharing value for people that are interested in it. So to me, your tweets should, they will pull from your experience, but they're not necessarily about you. They're about how can I teach? How can I provide value to the specific people I want to reach, which for me is creative entrepreneurs. So you'll see, I have lots of interests. I'm interested in sports and politics and TV and movies and all that. I'm not tweeting about any of that, right? I'm tweeting about how can I help creative entrepreneurs grow their audience in business? Sometimes that's pulling on my own personal experience as someone who has done those things, but it's all focused on that. When you do that, your target audience, in my case, creative entrepreneurs, will follow you. They will engage with you because, you know, like anything, it's you're providing them a clear value. A lot of times people struggle on Twitter because they go the opposite route and they think, oh, it's just real time. Here's what I'm doing today. And you know, I'm going to rant about the latest political thing and that's fine. Mm. Tweet about whatever you want, but you're not actually going to get value or relationships from doing that. You know, a friend of mine, Charlie, 
and I were discussing this, my podcast has had a massive surge in downloads lately and we're trying to figure out why. And one of the hypotheses is that so many people who have a soapbox have started to sway off their core and they're now talking about politics and war and other topics, health-related topics, et cetera. I'm not even going to mention half the words. But they've lost their purpose. And so what you're talking about here is having a very clear intention when you get there. I know my Twitter's not great, which is why you're on this show. (laughs) I'm always open to improving. I tend to do something you caution against a little bit in your report, which we'll tell people where to get in a minute, which is I often just retweet with a quote, someone else's tweet, because I'm probably a good curator. That's literally what I do with this show. I curate good talent like Oprah, but I'm not as rich as Oprah or as good as her. I bring in people who my audience are going to appreciate. You know, I don't have to be the expert in everything. And I do curate other people's tweets because I think they're interesting and probably people who follow me might also find them interesting, but not always. You know, I might celebrate a world champion surfing victory or something, which is not going to, it's not going to land with the bulk of the people who follow me, but they do actually resonate with my interest in surfing. Mm -hmm. So that's an interesting one. And so I think you advised that it's really better to create original tweets for the bulk of the time. They're the ones that are going to put you on the map. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I think, look, I'm a big curator. I love curation and I have a newsletter and I share lots of people's stuff. It sort of depends on what your goals are. And as long as you're sharing stuff that's valuable, that's fine. But I think in general, well, first of all, here's one thing that I think a lot of people do that's a mistake, especially when they're curating. Sharing links basically gets you nothing. The algorithm, a lot like all the algorithms on different platforms these days, They don't want people leaving off site. So like sharing a link is just not going to get you anything because it's just not going to reach many people. Mm. So for example, if I were, let's say I found some great blog post or article, or let's say I listened to your podcast, right? And I was like, okay, this was a great episode. What a lot of people would do is they would just share a link to it and say, oh, check out this episode. James was great. That's not going to reach many people because of the link. So what I would do instead was probably either do a thread or do an individual tweet and just go, here's three amazing things I learned from James's episode. Oh, that's so clever. And if you want to hear it, you can go there and check it out. And I might as a reply or in a second tweet in the thread, say, here's a link to the episode. But that tweet, number one, it's more valuable for people. Number two, it's going to get more people to check out your show or episode anyway. Yeah. Right. And so I always say to people, whether you're sharing other people's content or your own, you know, Put the value in the tweet itself. Mm. Don't just do like headline and link. This is massive. You'll get way more out of it. Yeah, that's a massive one. I mean, the sort of ones I like to curate are people like Naval, all the Navalism type ones. Just like a little succinct one line. Is it such a clever thought or whatever? Yeah. What I don't do is I'm not retweeting anything that's highly controversial, not because I don't have an opinion, but because I feel like that would unnecessarily polarize people that have nothing to do with how I help them in business. Yeah. You know, I'm agnostic to people's religion, race, sex, marital status, all that. In business, I'll help them as long as their business is good for humans. So I'm not going to divide and polarize people for non-business issues, but it's okay to polarize them on business points. I think that's my distinction there. Right. It's actually helpful. Yes. helpful to do that because <laughs> it establishes helpful. your of what you believe and don't believe. I think this is the other thing that people don't realize are a mistake they make, right? So they think if I post this thing, whether it's about politics or anything, right? It could be, here's a funny cat video. They're like, oh, look how many people liked it. And it went viral and look at, but those people, 
even if they follow you, which they probably won't, if you're mostly tweeting about business and there's a cat video. So all those likes and views don't get you anything. But even if they do, they're following you because they want more cat videos. If your business is consulting people or coaching people on business or whatever it is, it doesn't do you any good to get a bunch of people who want cat videos, right? So that's why I think you always, and this is true with any platform, you know, your first question is really, what is my goal? What am I trying to accomplish? Who do I need to reach to accomplish that? What do those people value? How can I provide them that value on this platform? Because if you do that, you're going to attract the people that ultimately are going to lead into your business goals and whatever you want to accomplish. It's not about, there's lots of stuff I could post that would, again, whether it's controversial or whatever, like would get quote unquote attention or traction, but you need attention that ladders into something. You need meaningful attention, not just random attention. It'd be so easy for you to say, oh, I've got 20,000 followers. My goal is 100,000 followers. This is something I... All the people I coach at some point get seduced by vanity metrics. Yep. I mean, let's talk about my purpose and we'll talk about your purpose. Yep. For me, Twitter's been useful to share my podcast episodes when they come out. Mm-hmm. I basically hit the share with tweet button and I'm doing what you said not to. Yeah. And I'm, I'm putting basically a headline and the link to the episode. But from now on, I'm going to take that extra few minutes work and just put a, you know, three things you'll learn from this episode and post that and then put underneath it the link to the episode. So thanks for that. Yeah. What do you try and get out of Twitter, Josh? How does it work for you as a, someone who helps creative entrepreneurs grow their audience and business? So for me, it's a, I use it in a few different ways, but basically it's to attract my target audience, which is creative entrepreneurs. It's a showcase. Uh, it's number one to help them and provide them value, right? For free. They do that and they then ultimately want more. They at some point want to hire me as a consultant. They want to buy my products. They want to subscribe to my newsletter, et cetera, right? But the other piece of it is relationships. Also, I wonder, you know, they reply to me, I reply to them. I get to know them and get to know what their problems or issues are. It gives me a sense. This is another thing I love about Twitter is that it is a market research tool. So I can tweet out a concept see how people respond. And I can see, well, maybe if there's a lot, I go, I might expand that into a blog post, right? Or maybe, or see how they don't respond, right? So that's another thing. It's very quick and easy. Unlike maybe making a video or doing something more elaborate, it's very easy to throw the idea out there and sort of gauge interest in it and see what resonates with people and go from there. The other thing is the learning. So separate from my posting, my ability to follow all of these people and learn from them who are putting out their knowledge, their expertise for free is amazing. Unlike any other platform, again, you follow somebody, you know, some CEO on Instagram and it's like, here's what they had for lunch today. Who cares? But then a CEO on Twitter is literally, you know, for example, you know, the guys that founded Morning Brew, like they'll do tweets and threads literally like step-by-step about like how they grew Morning Brew. I think sometimes I see um, there's a beer company that shares stuff like that on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is definitely the way LinkedIn has evolved. Brewdog. It's becoming a little more Twitter-like. You're starting to see that. They do over time, don't they? They copy each other. You've got, I noticed Twitter, you know, you can put pictures and you can, I think, put videos. Yeah. And I think they've copied uh, or in, been inspired by Clubhouse. There's some kind of an audio thing. Yeah, there's a Twitter space. It's called Twitter Spaces, which right. has been really 
Interesting. And, you know, and then, of course, uh, your other platforms like Facebook or whatever have gotten excited about yeah. Instagram-style stories and Snapchat-y type <laughs> things. So over time, they homogenize. But do you think text is still the main game at Twitter? Yeah, I think on Twitter, text is definitely the main game. And there are some people that do other stuff, but it's very, in general, I would say it's very text-driven. The other thing I've been doing on Twitter in the past year or so that has worked really well, I call it micro-coaching. But basically, and you, the example you gave with the headline, I think was one of those posts where I will sort of post a question offering to help, you know, I'll give you a suggestion for your newsletter sign up page. I'll give you a headline suggestion or whatever. And all these people reply, because of course, who wouldn't say, oh, what do you got for me? And again, the conciseness of it's not that hard to do, a, you know, for me to look at it and go, oh, James, maybe you want to try this headline. And again, this is a perfect example, right? that micro coaching established that invitation to do, to sort of offer a headline suggestion led you to reply to me. I gave it back to you. You liked what I gave you. We hit it off. We communicated in direct message. And then here we are on this podcast talking about it. These micro coaching post tweets that I do, do all kinds of things. They establish those relationships. They introduce new people to me. They actually become a showcase for my abilities. So people can see, you know, and anyone could do this, right? With whatever your skill is. So for example, you could go on there one day and say, you know, show me your sales letter and I'll give you a suggestion to improve it, right? And what's going to wind up happening is 10, 15, 20, 50, I don't know, a bunch of people reply to you. You take a half hour or whatever to reply to a bunch of them. And that now is a showcase for everybody to see, wow, James really knows how to do this. I got to get more of that. I got to listen to his podcast. I got to join his community. I got to hire him. I got to do something, right? So the micro coaching thing I think is really good and something that I encourage people to figure out whatever it is they do, you can create these sort of showcases and Twitter works really well for that. I suppose an extension of that is where I do a case study podcast with a client yep. who's had a transformation and then I extrapolate little bite sizes from that as tweets. Yep. I don't think I've ever done a Twitter thread ever. Mm -hmm. I really haven't worked the platform as well as I could have with the latent asset that's sitting there. But <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, and I think, and by the way, like so much, so I... Right now, I schedule three tweets a day. I have someone who works for me actually. I, everything is written by me and everything's approved by me, but I have someone that actually schedules them. And those three tweets a day are all coming from repurposed stuff that I know works. So it might be a sentence from a blog post. It might be a previous tweet that I've used before. So we're just sort of recycling that stuff. And what's fascinating is on Twitter, you know, because things go by, something that worked now will work again three months from now, right? So for threads, and I don't know if you've done much, I don't know how many like blog posts you have, but I'm sure you have writing in various courses and stuff. You could very easily, or has someone that works for you or with you, pull that stuff that you know is good and just turn it into a thread. It's just reformatting it as a thread, right? And would probably work great. So I think that's another thing people get hung up on. I don't have time to create all this content or whatever. It's very easy. Like it's very easy to repurpose stuff that you have from elsewhere. You could have somebody listen to your podcast, just pull out lines that you said, you know, a sentence here, a sentence there and turn them into tweets and easily be churning out good stuff without a lot of work. 
I'm pretty sure that's how they make the tweetables on our podcast episodes, yeah. which are, yep. they're published in little shareable boxes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people do actually click to share that tweet. But it's the, it's, I suppose, gets down to the word part. Yeah, so I've got a massive amount of content. I li- yeah. literally have well over a thousand podcast episodes. If yeah. you include my other podcasts, I have ten years worth of live events which ran for days. <laughs> We've got. I'm yeah, talking. Yeah, I'm sure. That's what I'm saying. You're terabytes. sitting on. I've got books. You would never have to create a new tweet ever. You could just pull stuff from that you've done before. To my own detriment, really, I could just keep innovating and adding new stuff instead of just being. I'm the, I'm the same way. Should be Hal Elrod. But you got to experiment too. Should have come up with the miracle morning and just flogged the shit out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. but anyway, it keeps life interesting. I think there's some big lessons here. So some of the lessons are we don't put the links in it. We do the original stuff. We repurpose things. Mm-hmm. We can schedule stuff to maintain a steady cadence of new material. We can do micro coaching and be super personalized. We should have a clear intention and stick in our lane in terms of what we're publishing to don't confuse people. How do you lead people into your funnel? You've got a newsletter. Do you put that in the bio? Do you pin a tweet? I mean, some tactical stuff here. Yeah. So let me, so I'm going to talk about the bio in one second, but one more thing in terms of like easy formats people can use. So if you look at the pin tweet on my account, which is the, you know, just pinned to the top of the account, it's a thread, but it says there are certain core concepts I find myself telling creators all the time to help them grow their audience or business. Here they are. And then it's a thread, you know, one, two, three, each one is a different thing. It now goes all the way to, uh, it looks like 30. But when that started, it was maybe 15. And every once in a while, when I have a new thing that I find myself telling people over and over again, I add to that thread, which resurfaces the entire thread. So another smart thing you can do is you pick a general concept. Last night, I put up a new one that was, you know, opinions I have that not everyone loves about how I think you should grow your audience and business, right? Whenever I have those, I'll add one to it and it resurfaces the whole thing. So there's the thread that you post all at once, but then the idea that you're just slowly adding to these threads and continually bringing them back can also be really helpful. You could have a thread, for example, of the single best takeaway from every one of your podcast episodes. And every time you put out a new episode, you add one tweet to the thread with that one takeaway. That's a really powerful, valuable thread. Then every time it will resurface and people will share and draw people into your podcast. That'd be twice per week. And I know my team are listening to this when they process this podcast. So the they actually run the Superfast Business Twitter account, cool. and I run my personal account. Can you go okay on Twitter as a business, yeah. or is it just a personal medium? No, I think it can work either way. Again, I think it's clarity of what people expect. Well, I know someone following the business account. They just, you know, they'd stay up to speed with my podcasts and guests and quotes yeah. and stuff. And my personal one is a little has been just more just me, my personality. And over time, I'm seeing that probably need to get a little more clear on what content I want to produce. I mean, I don't have threads. I don't have pins. I could have in the time that I've been on Twitter and with the audience that I have, I imagine I could have quite a lot of traction from Twitter if I was actually going to do it. Yeah, I'm sure. And by the way, like I know threads are popular and, you know, I do some threads. I don't do as many as other people. Like threads are by no means the only way to succeed. I have plenty of success. I actually, a lot of my individual tweets do better than my threads anyway. 
you know, so I think sometimes people feel like, oh, I have to do threads. You don't. All you have to do is share value. What about answering other people's tweets? Is that fertile? What? Just answering, you know, responding to other people's tweets? Yeah. That's probably the way I use Twitter more than anything. It's great, especially for people who don't have a lot of followers at first. Mm. You'll get way more people to see what you say as a reply to someone with a big following. Mm -hmm. The key there is that you want your reply to be valuable or interesting, something that makes people go, who's this guy, right? And check your thing. Sometimes you'll see people, they just go reply to big accounts and they're like, great tweet. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) And it's like, that's fine. But nobody's going to go, I want to see what the guy who said I agree said. You want to try to add to it. And you can, by the way, even do that. Like I've done that sometimes to, even though links aren't great, if I've written a blog post on a subject related to what somebody said, who has like a big following, I could reply and go, oh yeah, I totally agree. I explained some ways to do that here link to the blog post. I did that the other day on a Naval tweet and, you know, it sent me like hundreds of people click the link to the blog post just as a reply to his thing. He has a big audience. But I think it's funny, this ladders right into, we we're going to talk about bios, right? And I think whether it's super fast business or you, the key is to set expectations with your bio and make a clear sort of, give them a clear value prop of why should they follow you? What are they going to get? A mistake I see a lot of times in people's bios is, you know, I always say this thing, which sounds counterintuitive, but I'm like, your bio is not about you, right? People are like, oh, here's my bio. I'm this guy and I do this thing and I live in this place and I have kids and I think this is funny. And I'm not saying you can't say any of that stuff, like, great. But when someone's looking at your bio, they are specifically trying to decide whether or not to follow you, right? They wound up at your bio because they saw your name. They saw some tweet somewhere and they were like, that's kind of interesting. Who's this person? And then they went there and they're literally right now going, should I follow them or not? So your bio is actually a sales pitch to push them over that line and go, this is why you should follow me. And like any sales pitch, it's about what's in it for them. It's not about who you are, although that can help depending who you are and what you do, whatever. So my bio is I help creative entrepreneurs grow their audience and business. Hit the link below to join 18,000 creators who get proven strategies in my newsletter. That first part, if you're a creative entrepreneur who wants to grow their audience and business, you're at least considering, right? I don't say I'm a consultant. I live in Los Angeles. That's like, so what? That's not going to, I'm trying to give people a reason to follow me. When you do that, and this gets back to sort of providing specific value to a specific audience. Now your tweets are just living up to your bio. Whatever the promises that you've made to people, whatever that value is that you have pitched them, your tweets need to back that up. So that's the flag on the flagpole and everything's just lifting it higher. Yeah. And your pin tweet as well, right? That's why. So all these pieces should work together. If you think about the mindset, somebody comes across my tweet, they go to check out my profile. The bio explains what value I can present to them. The pin tweet in my case is that, you know, here's the core concepts that I tell people all the time about how to grow their audience and business. So if you've looked at those three things and you're someone interested in growing your audience and business, now you might think I'm an idiot and you don't care, but at least I'm in the game. If that's what you want, there's a good chance you're going to go, okay, this guy does have somebody that can help me. And that's how you convert that attention into followers. So where's your uh, subscription? What's your newsletter link? So my newsletter is fortheinterested.com slash subscribe. That's the other advice I would give to people. So for me, it's a newsletter, but whatever you have, it could be a podcast, whatever you really want to drive people to, 
you want to put that direct link as your bio link. A lot of times people, the bio link just sends them to their homepage. I think it's much better to use the bio, like in mine, hit the link below to join the 18,000 creators who get proven strategies in my newsletter. I'm treating the second part of my bio as a call to action and I'm sending them right to the subscribe page. Nice. I'm not saying just go to my website and find your way around and maybe you find the newsletter. So like, yeah, think about just like with anything, right? Your bio in some ways is almost like a mini landing page. I guess that's kind of a weird analogy, but if you think about it like that, that's really what you're trying to do. You're trying to convert them in some way. Yeah. I think it's simply about how you can help them. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the blue tick. How did you get it? Is it important? Blue tick. So I do not think it's important. Everybody wants to get it. My experience with it is, well, let me start by how I got it. So I've been consulting full-time for about six years and running my own thing. Prior to that, I ran digital media and marketing for the Academy of Motion Pictures and the Oscars for six years. So I knew some people at Twitter. I had relationships with Twitter. While I was there, there was this weird moment in time where Twitter sort of opened up verification. They're like, just apply. And they were verifying a lot of people. So at that time I applied and I think because of the job I had, I didn't talk to anybody. I just filled out the form, but I think because of the job I had, it probably helped and I got approved. They were kind of approving a lot of people. Since then, they've made it much more difficult. So I kind of got lucky. Like if I were to apply today, I don't think I would get verified. I don't think it matters all that much. The one way in which I think it does help, anyone can apply to get verified, but for the most part, people get rejected, I think. The one advantage of it, I think, is if you reply to big accounts, people who get lots of replies, some people have their settings to only show them replies from people who are verified. So it may help me get seen by more people. If someone's doing a Twitter space and I go in and listen, I've noticed that like my profile will be towards, the, even if I'm not speaking, my profile will be towards the top because I'm verified. So there's some little benefits like that. And I'm sure there's a psychological benefit of it gives me maybe more credibility. People are like, oh, this guy must be legit. But you know, honestly, lots of people who have way more followers and success than me on Twitter aren't verified. Like it by no means is it something that you need to have. In your business, do you do any paid traffic? I have dabbled in paid traffic. More so ads to grow my newsletter. So years ago, I used to run Facebook ads. I had success with it. I don't really do that anymore. I'm not a huge fan of Facebook, among other things. Among many, many other people, I think. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I've been experimenting with Twitter ads for a while and just haven't cracked it like to the point where it's worth it, which is kind of annoying because if I could, I would love, that's the platform I use and that's what I would love to do it. But yeah, I'm not regularly doing paid traffic. I'm dabbling and trying to see if I can crack it for Twitter. But so not only have I not, I don't, I don't really know anyone that has. So is there any business that shouldn't bother with Twitter? That's a good question. Um, is there any business that shouldn't bother with Twitter? Well, I mean, this is a broad generalization because I think most audiences in some ways are on there, but if you were doing something where your target audience really isn't there, it doesn't make sense to be there. I do think most audiences are there. I definitely think anyone that considers themselves sort of in the idea space, I think it makes sense to be there. If you're much more visual, you know, if you were a photographer 
and you were only going to do one platform, it certainly makes more sense to be on Instagram than it does Twitter. But that said, you could still succeed on. What about if you're like an e-commerce store selling sneakers? Maybe you'd be on Pinterest or something. Yeah, no, but I think, again, I think it could work either way. But I think the key is, and I think this is what I was getting at before. Like if I was an e-commerce store selling sneakers, let's say, and I was going to use Twitter, my account would not just be a bunch of photos about the sneakers I'm selling, right? I'd be tweeting about the sneaker industry. I'd be tweeting about sneaker trends. I'd be probably active in like, and you know, and quote unquote NBA Twitter. <laughs> That's it. That's funny. There's different Twitter and there's money Twitter. There's, yeah. Yeah. What is it? No, Fit, there is. Fit Pro Twitter. There's yep. like Silicon Valley yeah. Twitter. Red Twitter, you know, marketing Twitter. And I think that's what makes it hard is that like, you know, political Twitter, like people have a preconceived notion of this is what Twitter is, but there really are these sort of very different community. Different Twitters. That are using it in different ways. And so it's a matter of sort of finding your niche and fitting into it. I've got one more question for you, Josh. And yeah. In summary, though, thanks for all the tips you've given me. Some, sure. I'm immediately going to go and fix my profile and start doing some better sharing of my podcast so that my audience will notice that from this episode yeah. on. You can put your hand up and take credit for that one. What would you name this episode 907? Uh, well, the first, I don't know if this is what I'm going to go with. The first thing that popped in my head was just tweet it, but I don't, I, I don't think that's my actual recommendation. What would I name this episode? Um, well, if I was headline writing, it would be something, how to get what you want out of Twitter, how to use Twitter to get what you want, how to use Twitter to grow your audience and business. I don't know. What would you name it? What do you think? Well, I'm the one who has to name all these episodes. So yeah, like so that's why, I, you know, and I've done a lot of them. Yeah. Let me ask you, how do you think about the, the name? What have you noticed? Are there names that work for like your most successful episodes? Is there anything that the headlines or names have titles have in common? Sometimes it's really wild and wacky ones. If I look at my top 10 episodes, then mm-hmm. we have a, you know, it's easy to t- say, well, these are the top 10 out of 100. So pretty statistically relevant. I'm just going to go down to our top 10 most episodes from 2021 were called Turning Your Hobby Into a Business, mm-hmm. Why You Resist Risk and More, A Mindset Discussion with John Asaraf. Obviously, if someone's famous, we will put their name in there. Right. Predictions and marketing trends for 2021, the Get Client series, exploring membership back office roles, essential move less, live better exercises for busy entrepreneurs, outrageous offers, perceived value and positioning with Trevor Toecracker Crook. I love that one. That was one of my favorites. It's great. He had two in the top 10, this guy. Seriously, he's, he's ridiculously good. His stuff's great. Seven lessons learned from $20 million ad across multiple industries and multiple platforms. Affiliate marketing and revenue shares with Matt, Joe, and James. A truckload of ahas. That was the second most downloaded episode. Oh, yeah, that was Toecracker, right? Toecracker again. Yeah. And number one was turning your skill into a membership, which really speaks like extremely precisely to what my audience is all about. Like yeah. they hear me talk a lot about memberships. I've been running memberships for a long time. Mm-hmm. Even the current version of Superfast Business has essentially been in place since 2009. So there's not many people with decade worth of membership knowledge. So I, it makes sense that that's, that is an outcome a lot of my audience want to take a skill and turn it into a membership. 
but I also have an equal portion of agencies in my catchment. Yeah. If you were guessing, what percentage of your audience do you think uses Twitter now? I'd say a large percentage because I have an intermediate to advanced audience. I don't do biz op and I'm not dealing with startups. I'm generally dealing with people who have something in motion. Let's say a good chunk of them make over $100,000 a year, my audience. It's like a significant proportion. And I have a lot of seven-figure business owners in my catchment because I'm direct Mm -hmm. and they're coming for, they want the next level after all the fluffy bullshit that they get from the hypesters. This is where they land. And they can grow right through here. So I'd earmarked this episode as Twitter best practice with Josh Spector. That was sort of my draft thing. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you some time to think about it because it's a very unfair question. I've got a couple pitches for you. It's a pretty unfair question. So if you want to change it, whatever this episode 907 is called, this is by the hand of Josh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to give you three pitches and you tell me if you like any. Okay. The first is simple strategies to conquer Twitter. I like that. The second is same thing, but proven strategies to conquer Twitter. Mm -hmm. I like that too. And then the third one is how business owners can conquer Twitter. It's very specific. Gee, I like simple over proven. Okay. Just because I really think that is the highlight for me. Of of all the things you've said, there's nothing difficult. Yeah. None of that requires outsourcing or a great deal of thought. Like Mm -hmm. uh, literally I I will go and log in after this and make changes in five minutes. That will have an impact. So how about simple strategies to conquer Twitter? Simple strategies. You could say simple strategies for business owners to conquer Twitter. That's up to you. But yeah, simple strategies to conquer Twitter. That's it. You heard it here first (laughs) on Superfast Business. Josh, such a pleasure. You've also got joshspector.com. I went and had a look at that. I, I like the no fuss layout of that too, just quietly. The um, Everybody says that. It's funny, yeah. like you said, simple. Like people love simple and clean and, you know, just, yeah. I could really relate to that. I get comments about that all the time. And it's just a template. Like I didn't design anything custom, but I was like, just give me a minimal template and we'll just tell people what we need them to know. Love it. Lovely to meet you. And yeah, you thanks too. for sharing this. It's been, we owe it all to Twitter. It all came about because of what you're doing on Twitter. So it worked for you. Maybe it'll work for me and it'll work for others. (laughs) And if we've got questions about this, some people might share this or comment on it or whatever. Who knows? You might make the top 10 and be invited back. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, actually, now that you mentioned that, people are welcome to, first of all, ask me or hit me up on Twitter at jspector, or they're welcome to email me, josh at joshspector.com. I reply. If you want thoughts or feedback on your Twitter account, I'll take a look at it. Like... I'm always happy to help people, so they're welcome to contact me. Legend. Good man. Thank you. Cool. Discover how to build your business super fast. Check out superfastbusiness.com. Thank you.